Welcome to Atmosphere Church. My name is Jim Cruz and I'm the lead pastor. We're a new non-denominational life-giving church located in the Conejo Valley, just west of Los Angeles. Let me just say on behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it'll touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we wanna make ourselves available to you in any way we can. Please leave a comment if you need prayer or if you wanna speak with one of our leaders in any struggle that you may be facing right now, we will be sure to respond to anything you need in your life. Here at Atmosphere, we believe that we should never forsake the gathering together with other believers. Don't use this recorded service as your church experience. Get involved in the local church to the extent that the people there know you by name. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our community. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at atmosphere.church. Finally, there's a lot of man hours that are put behind making services and resources like this available that are meant to help you grow and develop as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith. To make a financial donation, simply click on the link on our site that says donate and your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Remember, when you give to Atmosphere Church, you're actually giving through Atmosphere to change lives in our church in our city and literally around the world. We've already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the service. You know, when someone introduces you and they say, seasoned, seasoned. I mean, you know, I'm waiting for the day that Pastor Jim refers to Tara as, well, dear, you're seasoned. <laughs> There's the day that ain't never going to come, huh? Ooh, we learn a few things as we are seasoned. <laughs> hey, it's wonderful to see you. I really enjoyed that video when I watched it the first time. I remember once, have you ever had this discussion? I'll talk with people. I enjoy talking with people. And, and I remember this first guy who ever said this to me, he's, Maybe, you know, he's probably seasoned. And, and uh, he said, I don't have any regrets. And I'm thinking, here is a man who doesn't think very deeply. I've never had any regrets. And then he explained his logic to me. He said, you have to understand, Phil, that all the stuff from the past, all the things I've done, all the things I've, good, bad, ugly, otherwise, they've made me the person I am today. And I'm thinking, yeah. Just think if perhaps you allowed those regrets to enlighten you and compel you and to consider, maybe I can change this. Maybe I can make this right. You might become a better person, but that's just my idea. But what I do want to talk about, I feel a couple of things. Last night or yesterday when I was walking and praying, I felt like the Lord spoke a word to me. And I think it's for all of us. And, and all, what it was was he's laying a path before us. 
He's laying a path before. Sometimes we might be on the wrong path, or sometimes he's bringing a change, but he's laying a path before us, and he will illuminate our way. So just put that in your back pocket, because we'll visit it a few times as we proceed. Pastor Jim asked me a few weeks ago or so if I would teach uh, this Sunday, and I'm always, I consider it an honor to teach in any setting. I really do, because you have to understand, from a biblical perspective, you are the most important thing in the universe. You are the apple of God's eye. And we hear these things, and we read these things in Scripture, but it's so true, and that's what this lesson's all about. I want us to be able to be refocused on how important In a sense, you are because of God's love. So let's read this passage. We'll read it through, and then we'll come back and tease some truths out of it. This is Psalm 103, and uh, here we go. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is God's loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions. Thank you, Lord, our sins from us. Just as the Father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. And when the wind has passed over it, it is no more, and its place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to his children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. Let's pray. Father, this is just such a magnificent portion of Scripture. And I know for myself, and I dare say for all of us, even those who love you and we've been walking with you for a long time, life can knock it out of us sometimes, Lord. And our perspective changes, and and it seems that sometimes we see the struggles and the failures and forget to see and be renewed in your love and in your mercy and in your grace. So I want to pray for these dear men and women that you've given me the privilege to just share with for a few moments. I pray the blessing of God in the name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus Christ upon them. And I pray that you'd bring freedom As your word says, it's for freedom's sake that Christ has set us free. Put each and every one of us on that road that you have for us. And Lord, faith, hope, and love. I pray that you would sow faith in us and hope, amen, and the profound understanding of the love that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I had to tell the other uh, gathering earlier this morning that I'm very insecure. I tend to be a little Pentecostal, so I need... Those amens. You ready? Amen. Oh, you're good. Church is over. That was pretty good. Let's look at this psalm and see what we get here. Look at this first passage. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is God's loving kindness to those who fear him. First of all, I want to explain to you that word fear Sometimes we don't realize it does not mean those who are scared to death that God's going to get them and shake them and throw them to the ground. That word fear means those who respect, who revere, who reverence, who love and worship God. That's what fearing the Lord is all about in this context. 
those who revere God, those who reverence him, those who esteem his, him as high above all others. That's why in Scripture, this is where it says, he is king of all kings, Lord of all lords. And those who revere him, who fear him in this context, acknowledge that. Have you ever heard the phrase, many times you've read it in the Scripture, bless the Lord, O my soul. You know what that means for you and I? Acknowledge him. Acknowledge who he is, what he's done, how magnificent he is. This is another message. Let's go to that one. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is God's loving kindness towards those who revere him and reverence him. Now, this is a metaphor. God's making a point. He's trying to illustrate to you and I how much he loves you. And how does he say it? He says, as high as the heavens are above the earth. Now, understand in this statement, this isn't meaning, oh, the moon that's, you know, 250,000 miles approximately above us, or the sun that's approximately 93 million miles, or some of the closer stars that are millions and millions and billions of miles. In Genesis chapter 1, one of my favorite verses, I really love this verse, I dig it. In the beginning... God, not a little more. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And what it means is the Hebrew didn't have a word for universe. There was no word for universe in the Hebrew. So when the scripture talks about the heavens and the earth, it's meaning the totality of the physical cosmos. Now, the physical cosmos right now, according to cosmologists, as best they understand it, is approximately 13.8 billion light years. Now, a light year is a term not of time, but of measurement. How far light can travel in 13.8 billion years? Long way. You and I can't comprehend it. It's interesting that God's using that to try to illustrate how much he loves you. Now, that's either crazy or it's God. And it's not crazy. God loves you, figuratively speaking, more than the size of the universe. As far, put your name in there. I do all the time with Scripture. As far, Phil, as the heavens, don't you put Phil. Just wouldn't seem right, would it? No, wouldn't seem. As far, Phil, as the heavens are above the earth, so is my love and my kindness to you. Now, I just let that just begin to sink in a little bit. This is the theme we're going to visit. In fact, I pray right now, Lord, by your spirit, that you would soften our hearts and open our minds and help us to come away with a more profound understanding of how incredible you are. How incredible you are. You know, we talk about the good news, the gospel, the good news. Do you recognize what the good news is? It's how good he is. That's the good news. The good news is how good he is, not how good we are because we aren't. And if you need somebody to tell you that, well, we need to talk. It's how good he is. God loves you more than the distance between the furthest stretches of the physical cosmos. Now, look at this next verse, because this, on the heels of the first one, just is a wonderful mind blower. 
That's a theological term for those who are seasoned. Sometimes I struggle with forgiveness. As far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our sins from us. Man, you got to let that just find home. How far is the east from the west? If you'll allow me, poetically, it's an infinite distance. God, you mean you've taken all the ugly, ugly things I've done, and I've done some ugly things. I've done some awful things that I've never told no one, and I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) But it's okay because I know you've done worse. (laughs) And God says to us, I love you in a greater fashion than the heavens are above the earth. And as a result of that love, I've taken your sin and I've put them as far from you as the east is from the west. And I remember them no more. For those who fear me, reverence me, hold me in esteem, worship me, and praise me. One of my favorite verses um, for years and years, it's still one of my favorite verses, and most of you know it if you're a Bible student, it's John 3.16. I love that verse. I think it was one of the first verses I ever memorized back in 1873 when I got saved. (laughs) 1973, my wife told me. 1973. But let's just break it out a little bit. John 3.16, for God... So loved. Well, it was up there. For God so loved. It was his love for you and his love for me that compelled him. When you love, you are compelled to act. When you love someone, you fall in love, or you have children, or you have grandchildren, you are compelled to act because you want to do things for them, and you want to give things to them. That's what love does. For God so loved the world. Now, that's all-encompassing, but bring it down to you. God so loved you so much that he gave. And what did he give? The best, his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's just, there's a theological term. I forget the Greek word for it, but it's cool. It's just so wonderful, God's love for you. Let it settle in. Let it settle in. There's a passage in Jeremiah 31.3. Its primary interpretation is that the prophet Jeremiah is speaking to the children of Israel, God's chosen people. But a secondary application is for those who revere God, who love him, who esteem him, we are born again by what Christ has done for us. It says in the New Testament, we are grafted into the original tree, and we become the inheritors of what Jeremiah is speaking of. And I just love this verse. Jeremiah says to God's people, you, me, listen to this. I have loved you with an everlasting love. That is so profound. In fact, I want to ask you to do something. If you're not comfortable with this, don't do it. I don't want to manipulate anybody. But but for, for, for focus sake, if you're comfortable with this, just close your eyes. 
And picture in front of you, however you might, the Lord Jesus just standing in front of you, dressed in these magnificent white gowns or what have you, robes. And he's looking at you, and he's looking straight into your eyes, just you and him. He's looking straight into your eyes deeply, and he says to you, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Isn't that marvelous? That's what God says to you. Now, you might, you might say, but I'm such a mess. I'm so awful. Lord, you don't know. And he chuckles. He goes, yeah, of course I know. You've never, ever in your whole life shocked God. You've never, ever in your entire life shocked God. See, he's omniscient. He knows all things that are knowable. He knows what you're going to do today, and he knows what you're going to do tomorrow. And you know what he says? I have loved you with an everlasting love. How can it be? How can that possibly be? It sounds crazy unless you're talking about your heavenly Father who as high as the heavens are above the earth, so his loving kindness is stretched out to you the equivalent of billions and billions and billions of miles of love, and that's just a drop. And he's taken your sin, and I, he's taken our sin, and he's put it as far from us as the east is from the west. That is just so cool. You've probably heard the silly little illustrations like this before, but it's like, you know, you're, you're on your knees in prayer, and you go, God, I'm so sorry. I did it again. And then you confess something, and, and God goes, you did what? Well, you, you remember that thing I did yesterday, and I swore I'd never do it again? I did it again, and God, it's as if God says, what are you talking about, Phil? Phil, don't you remember what I've promised you? I've, I've taken your sin, and I put it as far as the east is from the west. And there's another passage where it says, and I remember it no more. That's the one we worship when we come. That's the one who's calling us and leading us down that road. And I pray that for you and for me, by the Spirit of God, he would just bring that deeper and deeper into our heart and soul and mind. Let's go on to the next passage, please. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. What will a loving father or a loving mother do for their children? What won't they do? What won't they do? I mean, if the nature of love, as it was in John 3, 16, for God so loved that he gave, the nature of love is it compels us to give, and we will do what we can, as much as we can, as much as wisdom dictates is right. I mean, you have your little ones. My little ones are now bigger than me, literally. 
So they have to protect dad because he's getting old and tired. Or as a friend once said, seasoned. (laughs) (laughs) But what won't they do for the one they love? If someone comes and threatens the one you love, you'll stand before. If they pull a gun, you got to take it. That's what love does. That's what your heavenly father does. His love is so compelling. But watch this. I've, I've, I've been a parent, have three sons. My oldest is 43 and my youngest is 36. And, and when my oldest was a little guy, four or five, I forget exactly how old he was, he was diagnosed with um, tonsillitis after I told the doctor what he should do, but that's another story. I don't, wait, that didn't sound right. <laughs> We had been taking him to the doctor, my son, like every month for 12 months. And every month the doctor said, oh, he has strep throat. Next month, oh, he has tonsillitis. It's just fascinating, back and forth. And, and so, like, after a year of this and a lot of money, I said, Doc, let's take his tonsils out. And he literally said, you know, that's a good idea. <laughs> What's wrong with this picture? Okay, so now I have a four- or five-year-old son And he's going to have surgery. And try as I might to explain it, he's scared to death because he doesn't understand. Why are these people sticking me time and time again with these needles? And and you said they're going to go and they're going to cut me and this and that. And he's scared to death. But I, his dad, I see from a larger perspective He's right here with his four- or five-year-old wisdom, and I'm here, and I understand, and I'm going to walk with him, and I'm going to get him through that difficulty, but he's scared to death. But I allow him to go through that because I know he's going to come out the other side healed. It's true with our Heavenly Father and you. It's true with our Heavenly Father and me. There are times where God allows us to go through what's the most famous psalm of them all, the 23rd Psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff. But you see, sometimes we go through these difficult things. And, you know, sometimes, have you ever been mad? You don't have to raise your hand. Have you ever been mad at God? I have. I have. It was dumb of me. Have you ever been afraid and, and you're just you're saying, Lord, I don't understand. I'm scared. I'm disappointed. Disappointed. I'm hurt. Why? Why? And it would be like my five-year-old son saying, Daddy, I don't understand. I don't want to have this done. I don't want to have this done. Daddy, if you love me. And I do love you, son. And I know you don't understand. And I'll be here for you. And I was. He was sharing a room with another boy, and so they both had their surgery, and I slept in the room with them. And in the middle of the night, the other boy needed to go to the bathroom, so he couldn't get up, so I had to stand him up, and he peed all over me. (laughs) It's love. It's just love. Some people have had a bad father experience. And we refer to our Heavenly Father as our Father. And some, I remember when I was a brand new believer, there's a 
uh, gal my age, I was 20 or so, and one day after church, she was just mad. She was just hurting, and, and she said, I don't understand. I, can't, I cannot relate to God because the Bible says he's a father, and my father was awful. He abused me in whatever the case might be. And at the time, I just was, I didn't have anything to say. I didn't know how to answer that. You know, as a brand new believer, just months old. Some of us here have had a father figure who was a dismal failure. Your heavenly father's not like that. Your heavenly father's not like that. Perhaps think of during your life when you were growing up, one of your friends who just had a healthy family life and, and a good father model because that's what God's like. And if you have that background, God will reorient us and put us on that path. He is for you. Can I just share something with you? God saw you when you woke up this morning. That could be good or bad for some of us. <laughs> I think every morning when God, when God wakes up, when I wake up, God chuckles because I have dad hair. You know, my hair goes in so many different directions. If you were to come over to my house and knock on the door, I wouldn't open it. It's true, true. Or I'd get a haircut like, you know, Scotty's. Nice and good looking and short. But peace, I don't go that way. <laughs> Let's go to the next passage, please. <laughs> Just leave this one in a hurry. I was got to... <laughs> For God himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like the grass. As a flower of the fields, so he flourishes. But the wind comes and passes over it, and it is no more, and its place acknowledges it no longer. I think it's a mind blower. It says, God knows our frame. He knows we're but dust. God knows we're frail. God knows we're weak. God knows we stumble. He loves you. Remember when your little ones were little and they were learning how to walk and, and, and poof, they'd fall over and you would just encourage them and they'd take a few steps? That's how we are. We think we're so sophisticated. But God knows that we are made of dust. Now, don't misunderstand me. That doesn't... Minimize your value. You are of incredible value because the scripture says that God created you. Remember in the account of, of uh, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, it's the creation account. And we could get into all sorts of wonderful things, and I could tell, share with you different theological positions and philosophical positions about creation. And there are some of you who believe God created in 6,000 years, and some of us, I mean, some people who believe that there might have been more time involved. But Genesis. It said God spoke into existence. God spoke into existence. God spoke into existence. But then it came to you, your forefathers, man. And it said God formed you with his hands. I don't know how that happened. But it says, and, and I picture God just in my mind's eye, you know, figuratively speaking, coming down to the earth. And we're made out of dust and taking the dust of the earth and forming this man, the most magnificent sculpture, so to speak, that's ever been made, 
formed him with loving hands and the vision for what would come from this man, a good vision. And then if you'll allow me again, just a little poetic license, I believe God kissed us to life because he's bent down and he kissed, if you'll allow me, and breathed. And our forefather became a living soul. That is so magnificent. You, you are so important. You are so valuable. Lord, get it down into our hearts and souls. Make it such a foundation of who we are. Because we're going to mess up again tomorrow or the next day. I sin. I don't want to, but I do. But God's love is greater than my failure. A million billion times over and more. For he himself knows our frame. Excuse me. He's mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like the grass. As a flower in the field, so he flourishes. And then the wind passes over it and he is no more. And its place acknowledges him no more. It's such a mind blower. Our life is like a vaporous smoke. Remember, you'd light a match, you'd blow it out, and there's a little bit of smoke, and just a few seconds later, it's gone. That's what our life is like. Now, when I was a young man, that was hard for me to relate to. It ain't that hard anymore because it's only been about three weeks, and I'm 65. I applied for social security the other day. <laughs> Do you have any idea how weird that is? I'm in front of the computer and my wife's over here and I'm going, this is really, this is wrong. This is, how did I get here? <sighs> what are you laughing at? Pretty young girl. Look at the old guy. No, I didn't. Our life is like a flower. We bloom, we blossom, then the wind's come and we're gone. And what's so, uh, such a mind blower to me, it says, and our place acknowledges us no longer. I'm a history buff. I love history. Always have. And one of the dominant figures in Western history was Caesar. Caesar and the Caesars were the most powerful People in the known world. His name literally brought dread. And to be in his presence and to be fearful that things might not go your way was a literal source of horror. His word was absolute. Now, I've read much about Rome and much about the Caesars, etc., etc. And about 15 years ago, I was minding my own business and I heard a commercial and it said, Pizza, pizza, little Caesar. <laughs> and I thought, it, it staggered me. I thought, wow, the most powerful man that had walked the face of the earth. <laughs> pizza, pizza. And most Americans aren't very substantial history buffs. Some don't even know who Caesar was. They think that Caesar is a pizza. And I can't say definitively where Caesar might be, but I'll bet you he's not happy that people think of pizza 
when his name was brought up. The point is, I will live my 60, 70, whatever odd years it is, and I'll pass. In a few years after that, it will almost be as if I never existed in the world's eyes, but not in God's eyes. You are eternal. You are valuable. You are loved with an everlasting love. I have loved you with an everlasting love. And when we go out the door, we need to know that. God, we need that firmly in our heart because we have an enemy out there, the world, the flesh, the devil, who will tear us down if given half a chance. But greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Let's go to one more passage here in Lamentations. Let's go to the next one, please. There we go. Now, this is from the book of Lamentations. Lamentations was written by Jeremiah, the prophet, and it's a book of lamenting, mourning. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet because he was called by God, and unfortunately, his ministry was to deliver bad news. It was a hard ministry, an essential ministry. But look at what he says here. Jeremiah says here. To to give you some context, there was a point in time where Jeremiah prophesied some things. The king got mad and threw him in the bottom of a well and fed him bread and water in the bottom of the well. So Jeremiah in Lamentations begins, The thought of my suffering and my homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time. As I grieve over my loss... Jeremiah was remembering a pain and an anguish that was just horrific. And you and I have pains and anguishes at times. You might be in it right now that it's just almost enough to bury you. But Jeremiah gives us a lesson, and it's a really important lesson. He says, I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss, yet I dare to hope. When I remember this, and what's he bring to mind? The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercy never ceases. Great is his faithfulness. His mercy begins afresh each morning, and I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Let's have the band come up, please. Have you ever wished you could have a do-over? I have. Have you ever wished, like, I just wish I could do this day over? or this month over, or this life over. I just wish I could have a do-over. I have many times. And you know what? I'm convinced God is really into do-overs. I really am. His mercies are new every morning. And they're new even more often than that. All you have to do is ask, God, forgive me. And he doesn't begrudge you. It's not like, all right, I said I would, I will. No, it's like the Lord Jesus standing before you and looking into your eyes and saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I've known you before the foundation of the world was ever made. I knew you. It doesn't mean you preexisted, but in the omniscient, knowing mind of God, he knew. He knows the way you look. He knows what you had for breakfast. He knows the color of your eyes. He loves you. 
Hey, thank you for tuning in today to another message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on YouTube, iTunes Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and even on Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and click either the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. And until next time, we pray you'll keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. God bless you.